The Articulate Coven is the original, unofficial podcast and fan community for Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire and Anne Rice's Immortal Universe from AMC and AMC+. Welcome to The Articulate Coven. We're your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Ashley. And we are The Articulate Coven. Ashley, have you ever watched a show and thought to yourself... This might be better if I was completely unfamiliar with everything about it. Oh, yes, I have. Is that how you're feeling about this so far? <laughs> I could totally understand that. I'm about the Mayfairs right now. I could totally understand that. I can understand feeling that way for sure. I, yeah. I think special if so I've got I've got some issues with the special effects. In particular, last year's special effects to me are reading a little cheaper than they need to be. You could play with shadow and light. You could play with not seeing the shark, so to speak, and right. make more of the less that you have, budgetarily speaking. But that aside, I think this is going to be a pretty good TV show. And actually, I shared a link to the uh, Facebook group recently. This has broken the records that Interview set for the most streamed show on AMC+, Plus, for instance. I think this has the potential for an even bigger audience than interview had. We've already talked about that. This may be a quote unquote more mainstream show. However, the fact that I know the source material as well as I do and love, you know, some of these characters as they, especially as they cross over into a, a series that you and I prefer the, the vampire chronicles. It's kind of infuriating, honestly, <laughs> the ways in which this has clearly deviated. And I, I, like in particular, I, I want us to talk a lot this episode about Annabeth Gish. She's fan, she's fantastic. We didn't mention her. By yeah, name last I love week. We her. Both praised her, and and we are fans of her work. But I I love her here too, and it's clear the creators of the show do as well. I don't understand what they're doing with her. We're going to dive into this whole thing. In case you're new here, let's do say up top before we dive too deep. We did this last week too. We are the Articulate <laughs> Coven. We're the original, unofficial fan uh, podcast and community for Interview of the Vampire from Anne Rice. And Anne Rice's Immortal Universe is brought to us by AMC and AMC+. Plus. We've been uh, covering the books for years. We've been covering the TV series since they first announced that they were working on one. We've covered a couple of the vampire movies that they've made already based on the Chronicles, and we're going to keep covering the series from AMC as they keep coming out, even when maybe we're not exactly sure what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, what did you think of this episode, Ashley? Uh, Joel, I'm into it. I've really, I'm into it. I, I, I'm with you on, like, what in the hell are we doing? Why are we doing it quite this way? But, again, I'm just... I'm trying to really just trust the process the way we did with, with interview. And I, I was like, I trust them. I trust the changes they've made. I trust it. So I'm going to roll with it. And I'm, I'm really, really trying to keep that attitude with this. Um, I do think it's an, an interesting way to kind of to lure Rowan home. And it's kind of, it, it kind of gives it a, a different sort of twist to it because it's like, she's being, she's being manipulated and pulled home and, and, and it feels more like Lasher has, has to do with it to me. And I think that kind of, kind of cements how I feel about, about Lasher and, and, and how everyone, anyone that thinks that they can be in control of him is a pawn. You know, you're not, you're, you're absolutely wrong. There's no way you can, you can stay in control of this, 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 creature this this you know this spirit and so i i i am 
I'm still on board. I'm not, I'm not trying to push it away yet. Um, I really thought just some of this, some of this journey that we were seeing Rowan go on is, is like kind of heartbreaking to me because it's, she's so desperate and, and desperate to know what's happening to her and, and, and having her have these sort of increasing experiences that are becoming a little bit more and more frightening are all the things that are kind of working together to drive her to New Orleans. Since we were really trying hard to figure out how they were going to get her there. You know, I feel like it's all a part of that, that push in the story. And it kind of gives, it gives um, our guy last year a little bit more agency too, which I like. Well, it's interesting. So in the episode, uh, well, first of all, let me, let's start at the top because you mentioned something last week that I had not noticed. You mentioned the names of the witches appearing in the, uh, uh, wallpaper yes. in the intro to the show. And I really watched for it this time. As a matter of fact, on my second viewing, I, I went through and paused as they came up. Here's what I was able to see. I saw Charlotte, Marie Claudette, Angelique, Peter, Suzanne, Deborah, and then Rowan in that order. Um, now there were several times where there was like a Mayfair that appeared, but the first name was off screen. And so you couldn't see who that might be in reference to. And I think a couple of those names appeared twice, but the, the interesting thing that I noticed this time, it is a family tree, right? That's what we're seeing there is an, is parts of a family tree. Literally the names are connected. And, uh, in particular, Marie Claudette and Angelique were on top of each other. You could see the line from one to the other when they appeared. So, um, that's what we're seeing there is the Mayfair family tree. Very cool stuff. I wonder how much of that we'll actually see in the story this season. I also wonder, is that going to change from week to week or, or have we each only seen, you know, some of the names that appear there? It'll be interesting if you, if you're listening to this and you have seen a pattern or perceived a pattern that we have not seen, please let us know in the comments on the show. Um, but that was right off the top. I do feel like it was the same. I feel like it was the same this week as last. I, I feel like I saw all the same things. I mean, I can't be certain, but I feel pretty confident that it was the same as last week. Well, a boo on that, but interesting still. And again, based on the flashbacks that we got pretty early in this episode, I think we are going to see a little bit more of the family history this season than you and I speculated last week. Uh, let's hope that that continues. Um, I, right off the top from the, for this episode, I want to get into Rowan here. Something that was there last week, I just didn't know how hard they were going to lean into it. This This week they leaned into it hard. Rowan has been given Michael's alcoholism from the novel. Ah, yes, yes, yes. It does seem to be uh, definitely her coping mechanism at this point in the story, for sure. Well, and she's literally drowning all of her life out with alcohol, like continuously, day in and day out, early in the day, late in the day, all through. And as her life begins to spiral further out of control here, too, that is only getting worse. But I do wonder, you know, in the novel, we there's a a period of time anyway where these two characters come together, Rowan and, and Michael come together because Rowan effectively takes care of Michael and like sobers him up, you know, watches him through the the um, the rehab. I right. wonder if Sip is going to play a similar role to Rowan as as we get settled in New Orleans. That would be interesting and an interesting way to kind of force them into some intimacy right off the bat, you know, since we don't have the the built in of the romantic relationship between Rowan and Michael, this gives them an opportunity to develop some intimacy fairly quickly. I think that's an interesting point. I love how she ended up with his phone and that's how she saw these 
pictures. I really, I, I loved all of that. She does save his life. That, that definitely ties into that. It's not in the same way at all of, as to what happens to Michael in the book. She does, you know, save his life as well. So we're definitely starting to see those, those pieces of the characters that were missing kind of come into play in, in our main characters. I didn't even consider that, but you're absolutely right. That is a mirror. I mean, here, Rowan is responsible for Cyprian being in danger in the first place, whereas with Michael, it's, you know, he's drowning when she when she first meets him. And then they re-find each other later after he's, you know, gained this psychic power to touch things and, and see things about the the objects or, or people that, that touch them as well. Man, that's fascinating. But yes, you're absolutely right. It's another way that they're taking the narrative of the novel and twisting it in a way that you wouldn't have expected. And and at first doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but one imagines this is all building towards the specific story that these creators want to tell. And I, my, my, um, my cautiousness and my sort of melancholy about the, the narrative of the book being sort of tossed aside in certain ways, that aside, I am on board for this, kind of even if they do it really badly. The facts of the matter are this, nobody else is going to make a Mayfair Witches adaptation probably ever, but definitely in the next decade or so. So like right. as a fan of this property and these characters in this storyline, and in particular as a fan of the idea of AMC making lots of Anne Rice stories over the next decade or so, I'm going to absolutely support this even if I'm not completely on board with their choices. I'll look at it like, you know, comic books does a great job of this. They just call it Elseworlds, right? Or right, whatever. right. Multiverse. And we can consider that. We can consider this. Exactly. We can consider this that. This is a version of Rowan and the Mayfair Witches, even if it's not our version of Rowan and the Mayfair Witches in the end. So I'm on board. I'm just, I'm a little head scratchy as we go. Thank you, though, for picking up on that Cyprian thing. I had not thought about that as a mirror of, of Michael's relationship. Uh, I want to mention something that happens in the background here before, actually, they get entangled. Um, there's a radio playing while Rowan's like getting up, I, I think right at the very beginning of the episode and the, or TV, I guess. And the news report says charred body of a woman was found and then goes into detail about how her hands were tied. She was doused in gasoline and then lit on fire while she was still alive. Uh, this combined with the trailer that we've seen a group of men, mostly men, at least saying, you know, any woman that consorts with the devil has to be burned. I thought that was a flashback scene that we were going to get some somewhere in the past for the Mayfair family. They're going to give us modern day bad guys, mortal, mortal bad guys in this show, I think, which I, again, like that ain't in the books. There's no witch hunters in the books. Right. Um, I don't know how, I don't know how that's going to play out, but. Boy, they are going to, just as in Interview with the Vampire in smaller ways, ways that bothered me less as a book fan, they are going to surprise us book fans too. And hopefully we can keep our fingers crossed, tell a good story overall. But that, that little hint to something that's coming was surprising for me as much as anything else that happened in the episode. Yeah, I, I, I clocked that and I was like, oh, damn. And, and I was like wondering how it was going to tie in. I didn't even, I mean, for some idiotic reason, I did not even remotely tie that to like burning witches, but it totally, it totally, oh, totally probably is exactly that. <laughs> I think what, well, and I wouldn't have except for the trailer from, from last week the where they, where they right. showed that scene, the guy on stage talking to a crowd about burning women. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, it's going to be very interesting because they also seem to be, Actually, at least our the glimpses we're getting of the witches in the past, and and but even with Deirdre calling on Lasher, they seem to be 
intentional as witches as opposed to i feel like in the book it's much more like we said last time we were talking about it it's much more like a psychic psychic powers and things that are much more in line with that sort of thing it's less like potions and incantations but we are getting in in you know in the show a glimpse of that sort of more like what we think of as witches well, let's dive into sp some specifics from the episode here. The first thing that I had in my notes was Rowan hears voices when she uses her power, or at least the Foley work would have us believe that anyway, right? Right. When she's using her power, there's whispering. Whispers. And to me, I feel like it is, maybe it's just clumsily done, right? They're trying to show us that this is magic and she's using her abilities and that and it's clumsy. But maybe I think they're implying something about her powers specifically and the and the family powers in general. I think in this version, they're going to be tied much more directly to Lasher himself. Think about the way that Cortland later in the episode, what about him or where is he? I can't remember. Yeah. Where is he is what he said. Where is he yeah. to Deidre after she shows up? The way that he says it, first of all, makes me think he is covetous of the power. Absolutely. And I think we get a glimpse of that in the trailer for next week. But also, it makes me feel like the family is both beholden to and fearful of Lasher in a way that they're not really in the novel. First of all, in the novel, all but the witch in the modern day basically don't even believe in Lasher. Like even, yeah. you know, first of all, Cortland's dead. But, you know, Pierce and like Carlotta and Deidre are basically the last two in the family that believe in Lasher and both of them die early in the novel, you know? So like, right. it's a whole different setup here. But I do think the show is showing us well, I mean, think later about Annabeth when she kneels and calls to him forcefully with this with this specific chant. Lasher mentions it's too it too. You have to say the words, you know. Right. I think this is going to be some specific magic that, for whatever reason, has tied him to them and the the jewel specifically. Even I think it's going to be more than just the sort of affection that he has for it in the novel, and that that uh, Deborah was covetous of it, you know. Um, I think it's going to be more like one of the witches at some point cursed him into that jewel or, or to be tied to that jewel, almost like a, like a genie. That's the way that the show's playing it so far for sure. Yeah. It definitely has much more, much more power than, than it did in that. It was, it almost felt a little bit more symbolic in the book in a way, you know, it definitely feels like it's a lot more, a lot more um, power and importance in, in the series so far. I'm still feeling so uncomfortable. I'm still feeling so uncomfortable and creeped out by the house. Like, like the house oh, yeah. is just this looming, like horrifying kind of <laughs> figure to me. I'm I, so they're definitely selling that side of all of it to me very well, you know, setting up the, uh, the, the, the feeling of, of the house on, the house, the house in the garden district is just, oh, it's weird to see the two girls out in front of it ha having, like, hugging and having fun. I'm like, don't you know there's monsters in there? Yeah, it's like at that at that point, you couldn't imagine anyone ever having fun in that house. No, it's horrifying. <laughs> well, and it'll be interesting to see it totally redressed when we do get, like, real 20s flashbacks. Yeah. You know, when it was at its peak. Yeah, the Stella years, you know, that's what I want to see very much. But uh, yeah, I, it's such a imposing figure in this whole thing, too. I I really dig 
because I love a good haunted house story. And I know that that's not necessarily what this is about, but I love that the feeling that this, this place has, you know, has this you know, impending sort of doom feeling to it. Uh, I want to go back to San Francisco for a minute here. I want to talk about the scene. Uh, she, first of all, Rowan is sent by her, which by the way, Dr. Keck or whatever his name is comes back. I could have sworn he was dead. I know there's the offhanded mention about him being in the hospital or whatever, but I was like, well, that's an, he's an old white guy, probably got cholesterol and whatnot. Like he'll die anyway. Right? No, well, he's to, fine. He's no, back at work already. Was, assholes back at work. <clears throat> yeah. I was, I was surprised to see him being a, yeah, dick of course again. being a dick again. Yeah. Little, little brush with death. Doesn't fix a guy like that. I can tell you that much for sure. So, but he sends her upstairs to the uh, to the psych uh, office, and she's she's being um, you know kind of interrogated about the other death that she had been around recently, the the dickhead that that peed in front of her, and suddenly the the psychiatrist is also bleeding from the nose, and and Rowan realizes she's doing it and rushes out of the room, and then we have this scene in the parking lot and afterwards, where the crows have shit all over her car, so she kills a tree full of crows. <laughs> with her mind there's like three crows dead on the car but then she picks them up and wraps them up in her jacket and i i asked kelly when we watched it the first time i asked aloud i was like what's she doing with the crows and then almost immediately i gave myself an answer i was like oh i bet she's going to perform like an autopsy on them to make sure that she did it right like she's still wondering oh, what the hell is going on with her power and she'll <laughs> right but no she takes them to the beach <laughs> She takes him to the beach and buries one of them, sort of, kind of. What the fuck was that yeah. scene about, yeah. Ashley? Oh, that was a terrible scene. I really. <laughs> and then to be woken up by the the punks at the beach party, <laughs> it just was so ridiculous. It was so ridiculous. Yeah. But in between there, that but in between there, they also squeeze in this fucking scene with the Talamasco where Cyprian's sitting in the parking lot watching her pass out on the beach from the drugs she's... He Wait, knows she just... she's on sleeping drugs, right? She's already seen him. She takes a sleeping pill and passes out on the beach. He calls New Orleans and he's like, I don't know, man. I think I ought to do something. The guy's like, no, you're there to protect her. Nothing's going to happen to her. Don't worry about it. And then he just, what? He fucking bounces while a party rises up around her? And she, there's a motorcycle doing donuts around her. And Cyprian's nowhere to be seen. I was so, this show didn't make any, like, listen, it may be great. Maybe it's great. And maybe I'm just biased. But that scene No, that scene dumb. did not make any sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. The best part of it was her exiting from it when the, like, you see the lantern swinging at different, uh, at different times in front of her as she's walking down, like, to walk away. That was the best fucking part of that whole scene was her, literally the exit from it. Yeah. Yeah. And that it well, okay. Every now and again, like okay, we kind of skipped over it earlier. There's the flashback scene where we see which by the way, I wonder if they're going to make Deborah not Suzanne's daughter but Deborah be her sister. The age of those two in that scene together, the fact that they called out the sister at all and she was involved in that scene, I wonder right. if Deborah won't be the daughter but the sister. Maybe they'll skip a little bit of the incest, I guess. Anyway, um, <laughs> that one yeah. kind of blew my mind and I was like, okay, what's, what's going on here? 
and it was beautifully shot. It played out a little funny, and then they never cut back to it. I really thought we were going to go back to to Suzanne's story, at least at some point. I'm assuming we will in future episodes. But it's got this gorgeous look to it. We've talked about how beautiful, beautifully disgusting this house is. Like They do such a good job of dressing this house at the center of this story. There are moments of real brilliance in the production of this show, and then there are moments so clumsily handled like that. You're like, does is there is there no? I just think about the early Marvel movies, like not the MCU movies, but even before, where like Avi Arad is like, maybe Spider Man should shoot the webs out of his ass, and there's a Kevin Feige on set to go. Actually, uh, Avi, let me give you some examples of the from the comics that we could pull that are really cool and do like a thing you want to do, but do it comics accurate right like there was a there was a nerd on set that was like hey what if we did this instead we heard from all those nerds about the interview series and the vampire chronicles series from in the writer's room yeah they were on the set they were there heard them (laughs) where 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 are my mayfair nerds man like there you couldn't find one or two to just be like hey what if we did i don't know any other book (laughs) i don't think they have i don't think they have one and i do think that that shows 100% does show and I think that that's one of the reasons too another thing that I think makes us a little bit more nervous about this as an adaptation is because we are not as familiar with the material and so I think as a result of that it kind of makes us um it, we're unsure about why they're making the choices they're making like I feel like I know Louie well enough to know changes to his character that they made but with with this i'm 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 not as sure of myself you know as as a reader and as 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 an audience member and as a person who's developing an opinion i don't feel like as as sure of myself when i'm doing the the like oh reassuring myself if that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) no it absolutely makes sense that is on the one hand, that's a charitable read of, of our our take on the show and what they're doing <laughs> with it currently. On the flip side, though, I think you may be right, right? Like we we are so we live and breathe and have for you know most of our lives the Vampire Chronicles, so that whatever take they sort of ran off on, we've contemplated that or we've had that philosophical discussion with another fan in the past, and so it's like, oh yeah, look at what they're doing here, and we can imagine where they take that and how they bring that around still to the core of the character. Yeah, that does make sense. I, I'm going to cross my fingers and again hope you're right there that they're building towards <laughs> something beautiful here that we're going to be proud of in the end. Um, we did get our first actual Talamasca mention, by the way on your bingo cards you can go ahead and yes that at home. yes um but boy the the facebook group has already been lit up in the discord too i think the the organization here as presented is very very different clearly now from very lackluster in particular we don't know who this um supervisor is that's contacting cyprian or the cyprian contacted to ask for permission to sort of tell rowan what's going on um but he gave cyprian the instruction to protect her that's what you're there for is to protect her which is very different than than you're there you know, to watch the agency that is there to watch and observe yeah, yeah exactly um interesting and not necessarily even wrong very i am looking forward to hearing and seeing what they're doing with this and, and what they're building towards and i am very interested to think what Roland and his crew at IWTV is going to do when handed this organization in, you know, a season and a half. I, I say that I assume the Talamasca will have at least an appearance in season two of interview because there is the modern day storyline. 
we're building towards Queen of the Damned clearly in that series, and Queen of the Damned is very, very Talamasca heavy. So um, it is. It'll be, and, it'll be interesting to see what Roland does with this group. <laughs> well, we're, it's it's sort of like I'm I'm sort of in my brain taking it as like this is a New Orleans like field location. This is like a maybe not even a permanent office, but an office that's been set up to deal with the crazy shit that goes on in New Orleans, as opposed to like one of the you know, houses in like London that are, that are much more what we expect to see, which is the, like a beautiful old antique looking home with beautiful staircases and lush libraries, you know, with beautiful carpets and things like that, as opposed to this, like what appears to be like, Kind of, you know, you know, the third floor of a five-story building built in the seventies. Yeah, I want I want one of the Attenborough brothers to come around the corner and go, you know, spared no expense. <laughs> right, exactly. It just doesn't feel it doesn't feel the same. But I think maybe it's meant to feel different. And hopefully, we'll still get, you know, we'll still get a glimpse of the Talamasca in 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 a different way than we're seeing it now. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, so we talked last week about the fact that we were going to have a Deidre awakening instead of, you know, dying. And that being the inciting incident of the well, novel uh, here in the series, she was going to wake up and she did. She did wake up and we do get several scenes with Annabeth Gish as Deidre. She does some great work in this episode. I thought I was really, really looking forward to uh, her and her story. Um, let's Talk now about the airplane scene, uh, Ashley. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite scenes in all of the these novels, honestly. We mentioned it when we d- talked about the book. I, I love the ghost sex in the airplane scene. Yeah. You know, Rowan is laying there sort of half dozing in her airplane seat, and Lasher comes to her and fucks her brains out right there in the seat uh, right while there she's in trying to class. contain her moans, basically. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's cool. It's a cool scene in the book. Listen, I am all for uh, Alexandria Daddario twisting around in her seat to uh, to a ghost lover. I am honestly all for Annabeth Gish twisting around in her bed to a ghost lover. It bothers me a little bit when you make them daughter and mother and they get fucked at the same time in the show. The, the threesome, but you? Why they ruin my airport? They ruin my airplane orgasm, Ashley. They, ru- they ruined your airplane it. porn, Joel. I'm really sorry. They made it. They made it incesty. I guess maybe they're just trying to mentally prepare us for their fucked up shit that's to come, you know? They, uh, I mean, they did put it out. It's episode two, and we get it We get it all off the top. It's yeah. effectively like a ghost mother-daughter threesome. Yeah, with your with everyone's favorite demon. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it was. I thought that was an interesting choice. It's definitely, you know, mentioned in the book that, that you know, um, that uh, Deidre has reacts in that way to Lasher. Um, something Carlotta, I think, screams about and curses about and is a real bitch about. And um, I think that that's, uh, it's, it's, it was cool to include that, but it was weird to kind of make it that sort of ghost mom, daughter, threesome. I mean, they could have even done it as it's two real scenes, specific, right? Like, two it's real specific it. um, in your in your Pornhub category. I feel like ghost, <laughs> ghost sex plus mother daughter threesome, threesome mother daughter threesome with ghost, airplane sex plus you sex gotta... in room in New Orleans plus ghost 
next somewhere else. You gotta use some of those special characters to get that search. Yeah, in, I yeah, think, yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, I loved though. I loved though the scene. <laughs> oh, oh, I do want to mention this because Kelly and I both laughed at it. Carla, they make such a big deal about Carlotta being overprotective of Deidre and and being worried about the fact that the doctor maybe is not doing exactly what she wants him to do, you know, earlier in the episode. And then suddenly Deidre gets put to bed in her room. She's all over the room. She throws the the snow right. globe against the wall and nobody comes and checks on the woman who's been an invalid for 20-something years. No, it years. sounded like the raccoons on. in the attic. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing, too. That woman heard her orgasming she knows she did she says she did to Deidre and then she's super surprised later when Deidre's eyes are open and she's moving around I mean I don't know a little bit silly there but I did really enjoy the trip to Cortland's house um first of all interesting to me that Deidre would still think of Cortland as an escape or or a a route out even though that's effectively as presented in the show the last moment she was ever in public right you know like she went to Cortland's party got drugged and screwed and was pregnant and then was locked away by Carlotta and then went crazy so like man I don't know but anyway I did like that she goes to him and I love their back and forth there including a very sly line from Cortland here Harry Hamlin hammered oh it up God. big time he ate He's, that he, whole the uh, whole house he was that he ate that whole house Chewing yeah, on the scenery. He was chewing the walls for Jesus sure. Jesus Christ. So Deidre comes down in the beautiful green dress, by the way, which we've seen in the trailers. Very cool. And then he says, well, that was my daughter's old dress. Oh, it was. It was indeed, Cortland. That was your daughter's uh, dress, was mm, it? Hmm, mm. hmm. And then Deidre, I think, hints at it too. Deidre says, when I was young, you, you used to take me every year on my birthday and buy me a dress like this. Well, somebody had to. Carlotta had you in them old sacks, you know, or whatever. But like, Those I long think sleeve nightgowns. Deidre knows. <laughs> yes, I think Deidre knows that Cortland is her father. And I think Cortland is absolutely her father in this series. Uh, oh, I do. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, also clearly Rowan's. I think that that's. I mean, that's going to be very clear, I think, before too much, too much yes, longer. Yes, I cannot wait. I do think honestly, that... Honestly, I can't... Like, that, even if the show sucked, I would stick around for that revelation, honestly. That right. moment between Harry and Alexandria is going to be great. I think that... Um, I think one of the reasons why she goes to him is is probably be- because, uh, like, habit almost. You know, that's where she went when she was young. So it's the only place she can think to go. Also, his house is clearly not in fucking Metairie, because that's not a walk. <laughs> <laughs> no it's like i think that's down somewhere on like saint charles or something right, it's on the right, other end right. of the garden district absolutely yeah it is sad but it's like, very sad to, that she's gonna go to a place to be helped where she has also been victimized that sucks and whether she knows that or not it is it is incredibly sad to me that that's her only option like that's that's it that's what she's got this this series is just determined to give us some more sadness with annabeth gish I loved the buildup to the meeting with Rowan um, that, you know, again, we, we talked about some beautiful cinematography earlier, the shots back and forth, the editing of that scene, Rowan gets the phone call from Cyprian. I'm going to meet you downstairs in the lobby. Uh, you know, uh, Deidre's on her way from Cortland's house. Are they going to cross each other? That's my wife was like, oh, they're going to pass each other. She's going to be going up in the elevator and she's going to be going down. I'm like, no, this elevator, this hotel has one elevator. I guarantee you that's her coming up in the elevator. I well, and the fact that Carlotta's downstairs, 
Yes. I never I mean, in a billion years though would have guessed at the resolution. No, no. I was I was shocked. Like hands over my mouth, gasping, holy shit. What the fuck just happened? How did this happen? Holy shit. So the thing that just literally occurred to me as you and I were saying that, what if what if I've been assuming that this is somebody in the family, right? Like, in fact, I think this episode is hinting at it very specifically being Lasher that did this to DJ. Yes. And somebody in the, in the Facebook group was talking about like how they really, really hope that's not true. Lasher is a lot of things, but he's not maliciously violent towards his witches. He loves and well, as much as he can love. He's, right. he's not a creature that can love. I don't well, think. Well, he but needs his he witches. He cares for his witches and genuinely wants them to be happy. Yes, he needs and them. And he needs them. And they're like a pet project, right? Yes, exactly. But here, I think they've they've hinted that Lasher did this. I just thought, though, we're talking about this mortal bad guy or, or, or a series of mortal bad guys being some sort of witch hunter group. What if, like, what if that's where that goes? And it's it's a misdirect that Cortland's the bad guy or that Carlotta did it or that even that Lasher would do it, et cetera, et cetera. What if that's the thing is, is that our, you know, oh, my God, Deidre's back awake. We've got to go kill her now. You know, word yeah. got out and the witch, the witch group goes and hits her immediately. The only I don't thing, know. That just popped into my head just then. I had not considered it. The only reason, the only thing that I can think of as to why Lasher or Lasher may have done it or they're justifying making us think that Lasher did it is that he's ready for Rowan. He's done with Deidre. He's ready mm. for Rowan. Now's his time. He knows it's his time. He feels himself, you know, getting stronger because he's finally been able to break out of or to to help get, you know, um, Deidre awake, you know. So the, the implication is that he's kind of been stymied while she has been, you know, drugged up. And so the idea that he worries that she'll end up back under Carlotta's thumb again, getting drugged up again, and he can't afford that. He doesn't want that. So this is his opportunity to get rid of one and move to the next witch. Yeah, I think that's exactly what the the episode sort of hints at. I mean, even the, you know, he says a couple of times, do you, do you remember when I promised you your life was about to change? Like, that's happening now. Um, you know, that's it's all it all seems ominous, especially the way that it's played. Then there's a couple of moments where he's sort of like, reaches out for Rowan, and she calls him back. Yes, him she no. tells him no. And, and you're like, oh, Oh, I can't have this bitch. Well, fine. I won't have you anymore. How about that? Right. You know? Right. Also, like she had that uh, just kind very of interesting kerfluffle with with Carlotta before she goes right into the elevator. I mean, something could have happened there too, but like that was the most incredible, a really incredible vi visual image for me. Her standing there in that dress with that dark hair and 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 those blue eyes and then just blood. Oh fuck. I was just floored. It was crazy too. I went back and looked like again and again and again too because you see her for just a second and then you flash to Rowan's eyes and Rowan says it's you. Yes. And then you get the realization that she's attacked and I was like surely there's some sort of hint. There's something in that first moment when we see her when we should know that this is not maybe you don't know that she's bleeding, but surely there's something there awry. I freeze-framed it. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see any hint in that first moment, but I do love 
that entire sequence from from the buildup of her heading from Cortland's to the hotel and and Rowan getting the call from Cyprian to that moment where they're holding each other as she's bleeding all over the hotel over the the hotel elevator that's the best thing the show's done so far and if they can do you know four or five more of those over the course of this season even if they screw up a lot of my characters and things I'll still be fine with it the ride'll be worth it overall I think because that was super affecting and surprising and all the things that you want good TV. Oh, for. yeah. Yeah. And, and and just visually stunning. Just, I mean, oh, like the, everything about that, everything about that scene, the walking down the hall, the look of the carpet, you know, the timing of everything was just brilliant. And and it was seriously like every everything was coming to a head because she was also getting ready to meet that woman to take her to the house so that she would know where the house was. So it was literally like, regardless of what happened in the next, you know, five minutes, shit was going to hit the fan in the next 30, regardless. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Shit was about to hit the fan. Man, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I was not expecting uh, season one of the Mayfair Witches to turn into Who Shot oh. JR. But I, I mean, I think, I think they're going to hold out that mystery of who killed Deidre all the way till the season's end. I mean, that wouldn't be at all surprising. That would not be at all surprising to see if that that's a little bit of a like a a a, a B plot or a C plot of the whole thing, trying to figure that out as far as like the the main plot being Rowan now navigating this world that she has now inherited inherited everything, you know, and and what's going to happen next with all of that, and that the trying to figure out what happened to you during a, a you know a, a good strong subplot of the whole thing. Well, and even, even amongst, like, even as she comes into her power, even as she understands, you know, what she is and, and what her background is, even as she gets to know Lasher, it'll be a situation where she's still very much unlike Rowan of the books, honestly, where Rowan always feels like she's on sure footing. Rowan always knows who she is and what she's supposed to do. Honestly, it's one of the things that's kind of like annoying about her, honestly, in the books. Um, you know, even in the end, she plunges headlong into this relationship with Lasher. And then sort of, we talked about it in the book discussion, only at the last minute, she's like, what are, or are you going to do it like that? Oh, no. That's but, well, not what here, I thought. <laughs> I think Rowan's, Rowan's not going to know who to trust, right? Or who she can lean on. And so I think she'll be more vulnerable to all of them, whatever the machinations of this is, whether, and I do think Cortland is sort of trying to maybe manipulate it so that, that Lasher is his, um, and that he's at the head of the family. It does sort of um, feel that of, way. You know, folks. Right. It does it sort does. of feel it that totally way. Yeah. They're setting him up as a be to as, as very, he feels really slimy and he is. And so all that's right. But also, is it like, is it, is he slimy because I know why he's slimy or is it slimy because they're setting up a whole different like way to make him a piece of shit? And I think that that, cause that wasn't ever the way any of them really behaved as far as, as like wanting, wanting the, you know, the power for themselves. Like that was not really an underlying thing with any of, any of the other characters. There was not that. There might be jealousy of, 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 you know, the witch, the one, but whatever. It wasn't like they were trying to steal it for themselves. You know, that just wasn't really a thing in the book at all. So it's an interest. That's another interesting change and it makes sense. And it's probably something that would make, makes very good sense. And just, you know, any sort of story that's along these lines, there's going to be, and there's an inheritance and someone wants it, you know, so they're 
are going to be villainous. And so this does is another thing that kind of gives this show an opportunity to be more of a, uh, more of a mainstream kind of have more mainstream appeal sort of things that you mentioned earlier. Well, and like also as, as, as Julian's descendant, Cortland might like have a little bone to pick, be like, well, you know, granddaddy ran the family or daddy. I can't remember now. Honestly, right. I think Cortland is supposed to be Julian's son in the books. Anyway, the, yeah, the way the timelines work here is a little shifty. I, I don't think that's going to be, the, I think Cortland is too young to be Julian's son here. I wonder if they were play if they moved Pierce backwards yeah. a generation, right? Like there's no Pierce so far in the show. Maybe Pierce was Cortland's father here and and so Cortland is Julian's grandson. Anyway, whatever they do, it's clear to me though that I think that's what Harry's playing at least. Maybe that's not the overall arc of the show that they want to do, but I think that's what he's playing in these scenes is is a little bit covetous of if it's the power, if it's the wealth, maybe it's both. I don't know. He's clearly leaving, living an okay life though, so I don't think it's just the money. I think it is. No, I, I think, think it's Lasher. I think and we it's... see at least hinted in the in the trailer. There's at least one scene between them, which would make it very interesting because in the books, Cortland does not see Lasher. No, no. The only, really, the only male that's ever mentioned to really see Lasher, aside from like Michael sees him, is um, is like Julian is like really the only male Mayfair that sees him. Yes, yes, and there are, there are a couple of like Talamasca members and things like that that report seeing the man, but nobody in the family, no one else, no men in the family ever see uh, Lasher until Michael. And there again, like in the books, Michael is a distant you know, Mayfair relative or whatever. And again, part of this overarching, like we're breeding the greatest witch project right? or whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't think, I don't think they're going to do that aspect of it. But uh, again, I I'm interested to see how the Harry Hamlin of it all plays out and how they bring in still hoping crossing my fingers that he's not replacing Julian, but just giving us like an alternate take on that male witch you know, devious, whatever aspect. I, I think, I think just as we talked about last week, we might see this now and in the future when we get a more heavy season with flashbacks of the, the 20s and 30s that we see a version of that archetype but but played with more joie de vivre and a little less manipulation and and somebody that we end up liking more you know like oh that rascal julian anyway um i i'm overall in for this show still the, the highs are pretty high it's better than than your average tv show out there particularly in this genre and um so even when they stumble and even when they make boneheaded decisions like Barry and crows on the beach <laughs> i'm not gonna be not gonna be too angry at them we are gonna um, make actually, fun of them i though. wanted to Oh, we're damn sure going to make fun of them. I wanted to implement something new we have not done before, um, but I wanted to start mentioning and reading a uh, a review from uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, I should say. Excuse me. Uh, and I'll do one of these from time to time. I probably won't remember to do it every episode, but I did want to mention it. If you have not uh, reviewed the show before, please do so in Apple Podcasts, or you can review in Spotify now too uh, if you follow and listen there. If you don't listen to the show there, I don't think they'll let you actually write a review. They'll let you rate it regardless, but you got to actually listen to the show before they'll let you um, review it. Here's one, though, from, let's see, Ghost, you are to me. I like that, that, I like that username. Feeding my Anne Rice addiction. This is such an entertaining, considerate podcast. I started listening as a companion to AMC 
uh, interview of the vampire series, and I appreciate the respect and love for the source material while leaving space for the interpretation and nuance of the new adaptation. Can't wait to dive into more with these two great hosts as the immortal universe lives on. Thank Aww. you so much, Ghost You Are to Me. I love that one. Right? See, that'll make you Thank feel good. You. Everybody needs to get a little pat on the back once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there you go. If you haven't if you haven't reviewed the show, that's your uh, uh, suggestion to go do so. You'll probably get uh, mentioned in the show eventually. Um, Ashley, I want to tell everybody in case they missed it, we did do a Dorian discussion club last week, right? Well, much fun. Yeah, we did. It was kind of like our, our premiere party, and it was a super good time. Yeah, really good time. Very interesting conversation too. I thought that episode is available. It's out on our podcast feed. So in case you missed it or overlooked it, thinking it wasn't for you, go check it out. We ended up having some really interesting talks about uh, gender and and uh, uh, non-binary gender and very specifically then about religion and mysticism, which I honestly wasn't expecting, but we had some great conversation. Go check it out. Oh, it was it was a really great chat. Our... our um our guest from uh, from Dorian was so fantastic. We had such it was just it was a great chat. I highly recommend checking it out. Great for great discussion about gender fluidity and and um, gender roles as far as witchcraft and 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 tying in you know to uh, subjugation of, of the female gender and all of that. It's just it's a, a great discussion. We had a we had a blast. I always have a good time when we when we go over and play with Dorian. So we always appreciate them having us. And we'll be back. We'll be back over there for the uh, finale. We're going to do a finale party after uh, the final episode of this first season, hopefully, cross our fingers, of uh, the Mayfair Witches uh, as well. So, um, yeah, watch watch out for links there and check them out. Speaking of links, in the show notes to this episode, you can find links to our Facebook group if you are a Facebook user. If you're not, we've got a Discord community we'd love for you to join. Good conversation happening in both places uh, if you want to dive in deep, not only to the shows themselves, but the movies before the books as well. Lots of folks reading through. Oh, I do want to make this comment, mention this comment too. I thought this was funny. Um, uh, my friend Derek, who has uh, been reading through the Vampire Chronicles for the first time, sort of along with us, he started reading the books in preparation for the interview series. And he's all the way up. He had finished um, uh, Tale of the Body Thief already uh, like a month ago or two months ago, right as the interview was finishing. He sent me a message today. He said, I started Mimnock today. I'm back on that vampire shit. <laughs> 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 yes we are all in our vampire shit i love it another great thing about the group is just a general conversation about like what people think about the characters like um and 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 how like there are people there's some real strong opinions about characters that are loved and hated and everything in between so that's some of my favorite stuff is our conversations where we're talking about you know our favorite murder goblin Armand and um, you know and <laughs> what a piece of trash he can be and have the passionate Armand fans come in and try to defend the little piece of shit and it's just great it's just great very good time good times had by all absolutely absolutely oh Ashley I've been meaning to say this uh, off the air because I wanted to do it in a, a, a specific way but let's mention it on the air you've got an upcoming project that we haven't really mentioned here on the show we you mentioned it last week during the Dorian discussion club when uh, we were saying like you know where else can we find you etc cetera, etc cetera. but tell people about the new podcast oh, that you've got forthcoming you guys okay so we're hoping to start putting episodes out in February fingers crossed but it might not be until March just kind of depending on how our research goes but it's called unsolved arkansas um i am from hot springs arkansas and i live 
in Little Rock now. And, um, I'm working with, uh, with a really great producer who is very just interested in unsolved cases in our state. And there's, so mainly we're going to be looking at cold cases or, um, you know, and, and or questionable cases, things that maybe like, uh, maybe a suicide that we're not quite sure what really happened there, uh, cases that need to have a second set of eyes on them. And so, um, so yeah, I'm super excited. It's called Unsolved Arkansas. Um, I'll, I'll let you guys know when when it when it starts to you know hit the hit the waves, hit the airwaves. But hopefully, we'll be you know February March. I'm very excited. I'm, I love. I've been well, a I'm, true crime junkie since I was a kid. You know, I read Helter Skelter when I was like 13. <laughs> I th- well, I think there's a big overlap in our audience and true crime listeners too, probably. So, oh, absolutely, when the show is is out, we'll put we'll put the links in the show notes. But also, I was going to tell you, we'll drop a we'll we'll do an episode drop. We'll we'll drop it into our feed so people can Ooh. sample it and then they can link out to the show and subscribe on their own. So, so folks will definitely get a chance to that. But stay tuned for that. It's coming soon. Unsolved Arkansas. I I heard that. I remembered it last week, and I made a note for myself. Make sure you get Ashley to to promote her shit here on the show. Thank too. you. So, um, um, folks, uh, we appreciate you listening to us. Thanks for everybody who joins us week in and week out here on Articulate Coven. We'll be back next week as we discuss episode three of the Mayfair Witches. Uh, find those links in the show notes. Join the conversation all week long. And until we're back with you again, we have been the Articulate Coven. I am Joel. And I am Ashley. And we are the Articulate Coven. Thanks for listening to the Articulate Coven. You can join our community on Facebook by following the links in the show notes or searching for Articulate Coven on Facebook. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at articulatecoven.com and share us with your Anne Rice-loving friends. <laughs>